Welcome to the Choosing Happiness Podcast with me, your host, Rudrani Davy, the Happiness Lady. In these conversations, we will be discussing an uncommon way to find joy in your life with weekly special guests. Did you know you could choose your happy? Won't you come and play and discover how these magical tools could work for you? Let's do this. Well, howdy from Nashville, y'all. Rudrani Davy, the Happiness Lady here. Um, yes, with another episode, I'm super excited about this episode. This is, I'm going to say an old friend. I'll say old because we've known each other a long time. We's old. Anyway, we don't care. We're winning. I want to read a little bit about my next Choosing Happiness podcast guest. He's amazing, y'all. His name is Mr. Stephen Forrest. He's an astrologer beyond anything I have ever experienced in my life because I've had personal experiences with this beautiful man. So born in Mount Vernon, New York. Oh my goddess, you're giving the date away on January 6th, 1949. So y'all start working his his chart right now. (laughs) Um, Stephen Forrest is the author of several astrological bestsellers, including, which I have this one, The Inner Sky. And because of that book, I actually understood half of what you were saying. I had to read it. Yesterday's Sky and his acclaimed four volume elements series, the books of fire, earth, air, and water which you're brilliant in speaking about. Maybe you can touch on some of those. Um, His work has also, he's just listening to me. I'm talking to him and you haven't even heard his voice yet. His work has been translated into many languages and he has traveled worldwide teaching his brand of choice-centered evolutionary astrology and astrology which integrates free will, grounded humanistic psychology and this part I really love, ancient metaphysics. Now, this I did not know until... I just read it like minutes ago, but in 2020, he opened his online, the Forest Center for Evolutionary Astrology. Robert Downey Jr., let me just drop a name here, man, says, I marvel at the accuracy of Stephen's readings. He insists that nothing is so grave as to be on repair and correspondingly that there is no rainbow that won't be evaporated. Is that right? Yeah. By poor judgment in the now. I love it. Of Stephen's work, Sting, let me just drop another name, please. You know, the police fame Mm -hmm. says that he manages, I'm putting this in quotes for those of you that are not watching on YouTube, shame on y'all, manages to disarm the skeptic as well as debunk the charlatanism that surrounds popular astrology with language that is as intelligent and cognitive and poetic. Del Horoscope describes him as not only a premier astrologer, but also a very wise man. So without further ado, because I love this man's voice. He's like my spirit animal. <laughs> Meet Stephen Forrest, y'all. Hi, Extraordinaire everybody. astrologer. And please tell the peeps a little bit more about you. What got you into astrology? All the things. Looking through telescopes when I was a little boy. It was uh, one of my first uh, memories as a a really toddler was wanting a telescope so I could look at the heavens. And it was kind of pitiful because I lived, uh, you know, pretty close to downtown, you know, Manhattan and mm-hmm. looking through the muck that they pumped into the atmosphere, you're you lucky to see the moon. But I just had an instinct that I, I wanted a telescope. And that's really how it all began. Wow. So you were curious about the stars. Yeah. When, right did, you, when did you know that they could tell us so much? you know, regarding when we are actually brought into the world, where we're brought in and 
all of that. Can you explain a little, let's, let's do a little astrology 101 for those that may not know a thing about it or think it's silly or whatever. What would you say to those people about what astrology is and what it, what it could create for you? Yeah. You know, a, a lot of people uh, on the science side, I don't want to make science an enemy. It's not my enemy, but, but a lot of people on that side of the argument uh, will, will say, you know, we now know the planets are millions of miles away. How could they possibly have any effect upon us? You know, and it, it seems like a completely reasonable thing to say, let me blow it out of the water. It's going to take me about 10 seconds to do it. Oh my. Know, I, I, would, I would say, go along. And there in the sky is what seems to be a bright star. It's actually Venus. Actually, tonight you could go out and look in the east, big bright star. It's Venus, the brightest thing up there. And so there it is. And you think about it. Anybody can see it. But you've got energy and not like hippie energy, but electromagnetic science side energy coming from the cloud deck of Venus crashing into your eyeballs at 186,000 miles a second and creating measurable biochemical changes in your brain, which is a fancy way of saying we can see it. We can see it. The, anybody who says the planets don't affect us is incorrect. You know, I can be that dogmatic about it. Now, that doesn't prove astrology, but it does prove that we should take seriously the possibility that we might interact with the planets in more complex ways than simply through our eyeballs. And there's not a rational person in the world who wouldn't say, okay, show me what you've got. Well, I don't even know how many readings I've done with you, to be honest. I've had, I got readings from you back in the days when we had cassette tapes. Yeah. Remember those? Yeah. You were Set tapes, and then you were mailing eventually uh, CDs before you could actually just upload, you know, in an email yeah. and get yeah. over to us. It's all digital now. Oh, thank goddess! Makes my life so much easier. But a big improvement over cuneiform tablets, though. I have to say, the cassette was a breakthrough. <laughs> Imagine it was. Were you doing readings before cassettes? No. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh my goddess! So what'd you do? Send people like stacks of like a booklet? I would, I would write stuff out, and uh, actually, uh, uh, an old girlfriend of mine who I I, I I did a reading first, then she became a girlfriend, like twenty years old, and not too long ago, she she sent me a you know a photocopy of uh, of the first reading that I had done for. It was like three or four type pages on a typewriter. That's amazing. You know, in my filing cabinet, I still have every single one of the readings that you did for me. And I think sometime during the mid-2020 point, I got really curious. Now, I didn't have a cassette player, but I did read through all of them and thought, you know, you are uncannily spot on. Yeah, Things that I still didn't understand. You go back and you you go back and reread them. You're like, well, wait a minute. It's exactly what happened. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't even say that it's going to be exactly this. Yeah, yeah. You all, What I love about you is you give all these different probabilities. You compare it to other uh, times uh, in the world where it could be the same kind of energy, yeah. these kinds of things. I love how you go into uh, the part that really sticks in my head is um, when you would talk about how, um, uh, for, for example, in one, in one of my charts right after what had occurred for me in India, um, I wasn't seen very well because I'm like this little sliver of a moon. Yeah. But the, by 2025, 26, 
it will be a full moon. And I went back, it was like, you had written this even way before, you know, it was like, it wasn't even the teens yet. This is how early we've known each other. Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, how did, cause you would project like 10 or 15 years in the future. Yeah. Even with a, with a reading and, and whatnot. I mean, I don't know. We, we have name dropped a little bit. I don't know if you're, you're, you know, you're willing to, to go there, but what is one of the craziest things or, I mean, I do remember you talking about, and I feel, now I feel like I'm hogging the conversation here. I remember you talking about how you two, the band, because, you know, you, you'd studied their charts, yeah. how they seemingly didn't even know each other and they got together and they exploded because all of their charts were in alignment and this was what was going to happen for them. Yeah. You know, and, and we all know what happened to you with the band U2. They became huge. Yeah. Can you maybe tell us that story or another story like that? Or? I'm happy, happy to explain that. What you're, what you're talking about is uh, the progressed phases of the moon. Now, you know, in, in the course of a month, of course, the, the moon goes through its phases in the, in the obvious sense. But with progressions, everything slows down. So the cycle of time between uh, a, a progressed new moon and a, another one, it's almost 30 years. So it's really slow. Right. Yeah. It, it's, this is pure, the poetry of the heavens. So actually, I'm talking about Bono specifically, not, not you two in general. Oh, yes, the, that's the, right. The I use. So he has uh, a running start on this. At a new moon, you can't see the moon. You know, the, the moon, the half of the moon that's all lit up is facing the sun. There's nothing but the dark of the moon. So you have a new beginning that you can't see or a new beginning that if you're looking at it, you don't know what you're looking at. And then 15 years later, give or take, a full moon where whatever began, like the seed under the ground, becomes as obvious as it can be. That, that's kind of like point. Venus, kind of like the star of Venus. Yeah, you Venus can't goes through phases too, but let me, yeah. let me finish this so your, your, your audience knows what we're talking about. Um, so Bono, he's, uh, he's, he's a kid, he's like a teenager. And he answers an ad in a local arts and entertainment rag in Dublin. You know, kids with electric guitars and drums looking for somebody who can sing. So Bono decides to, to go and do it. Before that, just, just before I hit his new moon, this was at the new moon, just before that, the waning moon, the dying moon, often things are falling apart. His mother died of cancer, you know, and his father kind of fell apart. So there's this loss. And then the new beginning that you can't see. And I, I, I smile at this. Imagine you attended the first U2 rehearsal. You know, what a moment of history. But really, it's a bunch of teenagers making this terrible racket. I mean, you, 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 you couldn't wait for them to stop. And the idea that you are witnessing a watershed moment in the history of art, you know, it's like, give us a break. This is just a terrible noise. Now, 15 years later, comes to his full moon and he and the band walking across the stage to collect the Grammy for Joshua Tree album yeah. of the year from the invisible to the visible from the new beginning we don't know what we're looking at to something that's as obvious as it can be it's, it's just one example of astrology in action no that that one really stuck with me because you were comparing where I was with my moon phases yeah and it, the last time i think i actually listened um i'm trying to remember that because now it's on my computer 
uh, it was again during COVID because I was like, well, what, what have I got to do? I'm, you know, let me see where I'm at with, maybe I need to get in my chart done again. I don't know. And you still, even with the last reading you did for me, which was, gosh, I believe it was like eight years ago. Was it? Um, you went so far in the future. I mean, you go as far as uh, 2030. Wow. Yeah. With, yeah. And I, and I always wondered how you could project so far out in the future when you're actually looking at a chart. Because aren't you looking at a snapshot? I mean, I know you take the place I was born, the date, which I have, you know, ingrained in my head now because I've done this so many times. And I'm very curious. I've even looked at Vedic astrology to see what the similarities or and differences are. And there's quite a few of both. Um, but I wondered how in the world, looking at someone's chart, could you get a snapshot that would take us so far into the future? Yeah, yeah. Imagine somebody has a baby and they and they say, Steve, make some predictions for this baby. And uh -huh. here's one, it's very safe. Uh, she's gonna get bigger. <laughs> <laughs> You think? <laughs> now, I know it sounds silly, but it's actually the root of a serious response to, to what you're saying, that uh, if you plant an acorn, you don't expect a hippopotamus to grow out of it. You, you know right. what an oak tree, oak tree looks like. If you know the, the nature of a seed, in a sense, the genetic code of the seed, you can make some approximate predictions about what the future looks like. And so that's really the answer to your question. But let me hasten to make the point upon which I've founded everything I believe about astrology, which is that we cannot make rigid predictions, that, that we, we, can, we can see general patterns. Um, I, with my clients, I like to say, it is your fate. And then I'll insert, that's not my favorite word. It's right. too depressing a word, too limiting a word, but it is your fate to face certain questions and certain possibilities in this lifetime. And you can't escape that, but how you answer those questions and how you navigate those possibilities is a question of your own consciousness. Right. That's beautiful. Wow, that's really beautiful. And so true. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you can, I'm gonna put it in quotes, you can change your stars simply by having the knowledge of knowing what else is possible. Yeah. You know, because yes. if you go through your life unconsciously and you just let life happen again, in quotes, to you, yeah. um, where are you being present? Where yeah. are you taking responsibility? Where are you actually involved in your own life? Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, We're not puppets. We're not puppets at all. No, it's interesting. We do have choice, people. Guess what? We do have choice. Yeah. I mean, exactly. my ritual every morning is to get in my hot tub and connect with mother nature yeah and good. even in the womb of my hot tub i can feel her heart beating because yeah. i feel that connection so i imagine that's the same thing you're talking about when you talk about how we're connected to the yeah. planets energetically speaking yes and it's something that can be measured y'all yeah. this is i'm not just i'm not talking airy fairy shit over here okay? yeah uh -huh. <laughs> it's, uh -huh. it's the real deal i mean she speaks to me the beauty about Mother Nature, I'm looking out the window for those of you that are on other platforms and are not watching on YouTube. If she doesn't have a point of view about her fate, yeah. you know, yeah. she doesn't care if we kill her or if we admonish her or, or what we 
do. We're the ones that have all those points of view. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she, she doesn't have a bad leaf day or, you know, worry <laughs> about drowning out sun for the, for the acorns underneath. Yeah. You know, that don't get an opportunity to be as majestic or if somebody needs firewood yeah. and now her life is over, she's still gifting. Yeah. You know, and what if we were all connected like that, that oneness yeah. and what if the stars and the planets wanted to contribute to us? I mean, could you speak a little bit about, about that? I, I know I'm sounding a little esoteric now, but I'm just you know, it's, it's the, it's the ultimate uh, oneness and you know, the, of the, of the universe that it's implicit in astrology. That sounds like a, a very abstract statement, but when you, you stop and think about it, see, let me start off by saying, I've never met anyone who had the following two qualities of character. One, that they didn't believe in astrology and two, they knew anything at all about it. You know, when, once you study it, once you look at it, you see, it works, and yeah. and it can, you can just take it on practical roads from there. But the philosophical roads you can take from there are absolutely mind-boggling and delightfully subversive to the dominant paradigm, because it, it like demonstrates our oneness with everything. Like something happens in the sky, and it's reflected in my life. Wow! I mean, when you think about the implications of that, that I am connected to the universe, even the silliest, dumbest kind of astrology, like, uh, you know, all the Geminis talk too much, you know, all the Scorpios <laughs> are sexy, but treacherous, you know, the, these are not correct statements, but, but, you know, they kind of illustrate the pop astrology. Right. Even that, even somebody who, who recognizes themselves in those silly descriptions is experiencing a oneness with the larger universe. You know, I, I'm a Gemini. That's why I talk too much. You know, I, I can say much more inspiring things than that about Gemini. But even that, at that most elementary level, suggests connection. And that's what it's all about. That makes me curious. Now, my mother's a Gemini. Ah. <laughs> and I don't know the rest of her chart. I don't think they have the time she was born. I just have yeah. the date and location, which brings me to another thing because I mean, I, all I knew, you know, is that there was a sun sign, which yeah. for me is Libra, a rising sign, which is Virgo, which kind of, from what I've read, <laughs> almost complete opposites. Yeah, and true. then I have this Pisces moon. Mm -hmm. And so it's really the conglomeration of, I'm, I'm not just a Libra, like you said, mm -hmm. I have these other factors and then there's North and South nodes and all of that. Can you, Speak to that a little bit as far as what, you know, sun sign, rising sign, and, and what um, uh, a moon sign is in one's chart. Because aren't those the three uh, basic, I mean, like astrology 101, if you were going to get started, those would be the three you would look I'm at. happy it. to answer it. I can do it pretty quickly, too. Okay. Um, sun, <laughs> is our, sun is like, call it your identity. You could write a book about it, but kind of identity, the basic values that animate you. Moon is more heart and soul, the mood of your life, the ascendant or the rising sign. They mean the same thing. Uh, well, it's literally this sign that was dawning when you were born, how you dawn wow. on people, like the mask you wear. So you as a solar Libra with a Pisces moon and a Virgo ascendant, and we could say that uh, we can reduce it to one sentence. We could 
frame the sentence in various ways, but but here's one. So you you are the Libra with the soul of the moon wearing the mask of the Virgo. Now, translating that into archetypes, we could say, uh, for example, uh, you are the artist, Libra, with the soul of a mystic, the Pisces moon, wearing the mask of the servant in the world. Huh. Wow. Uh, so it's just one sentence. We could write a book, but uh, that's one sentence, just reducing sun, moon, and ascendant to, well, let me say it's a, uh, you know, some people criticize sun sign astrology because, you know, it divides everybody into 12 types. Uh, I, I reject that criticism. I have some sympathy for it, but but uh, <laughs> I reject it because, you know, we, we, we speak of introversion and extroversion. Those are useful words. They divide humanity into two types. You know, it makes sun sign astrology look like rocket science in comparison. But then when you when you go to sun, moon and ascendant, what I call the primal triad, you're up to 1,728 possible combinations. And it's a very granular and precise system. Okay, so I remember you saying also, and you said it in every reading you did with me, that I was a, a first house Libra. I was born on the first. And in fact, I was supposed to be, I don't know if you know this story, but the end of, I was supposed to be born the end of August. And evidently I liked where I was. And the doctor basically said, if she's not here by the end of September, we're inducing labor. So in an odd way, my birthday was chosen for me. And that's why I was born at 5.22 a.m. on October the 1st. And you referred to that as being a first house Libra. So yeah. what would a first house, what would that actually mean? If yeah. somebody was it, a first house, whatever their sun sign is. It, it has nothing to do with you being born on the first. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Being a first house, <laughs> Libra, what, what the the first house? It's it's really very the ascendant is just the beginning of the first house. If you say something is in the first house, it means it was just about to rise. It was oh. getting almost up to that dawn point. So you're born. You, you said five twenty two in the morning. Five twenty two a.m. October first, sixty three. So you just think with common sense, it's October 1st up here in the Northern Hemisphere. It's a little after five in the morning. It's probably still dark out. It's getting a little lighter maybe, but the sun isn't up yet. Mm. Common sense. First, That's what the first house means. If you'd waited a little longer and the sun, like if you were a year or pardon me, an hour younger, the sun had risen, we would say you, have, you were a 12th house Libra. It would rise into the 12th house, then into oh, wow. the 11th house. It goes backwards, you know, as the sun goes around okay. in the course of the day. Yeah, that was a hard one for me to wrap my head around, that it didn't go clockwise, it goes counterclockwise. Yeah, yeah. through the, the, uh, the planets go kind of forward through the signs in their orbits around the sun and backwards through the houses in terms of the 24-hour day. So it's kind of a Widdershins system. Hmm. Okay. I already had a couple of people that knew that you were going to do this call and they wanted me to ask you to explain, and I don't know if we were done with this conversation or not, but what retrograde means, because, you know, a lot of people put a lot of stigma on Mercury retrograde or, and I know retrograde doesn't have to just be about Mercury. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I find that it kind of gives you information to actually use it to your advantage. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd love to, I'd love to hear your take. And so would my listeners. 
Yeah, it's uh, Mercury retrograde. It's one of those kind of technical things in astrology that's actually gotten a lot of traction in the public mind. You know, everybody, if anything goes wrong, people say it must be Mercury retrograde, even if it isn't. (laughs) So the the basic idea starts off with a kind of deep look at something obvious. The obvious thing is that a, a retrograde planet, a planet going backwards, is going into earlier degrees. It's covering ground that it's already covered once. Now, okay. that that's true of any retrograde planet, Venus, Jupiter, Mercury, whatever it is. And uh, so sometimes it's good to go back over ground you've already covered. You know, I would just simply say that. There are times when, uh, you know, it enters our mind, maybe, maybe I should check, I, I think... I think I turned off the coffee pot, you know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to relate to that at all. <laughs> On the second thought, maybe maybe I should, you know, go back and, and make absolutely sure. And, uh, you know, it's probably a good idea. You know, you converge into neurotic with it, but, you know, it's like <laughs> viewing things a second time. And so I, I would... Let me give a, a deep example to kind of get into the heart and soul of this. Um, so th- this is literally a memory of a time I spent with a with a client, a young man who uh, whose father had been uh, extremely shaming and abusive of him. You know that uh, you know you'll 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 never amount to anything. You're such a wimp. You know, trying to encourage him. You know. With, with shame, horrible, right. horrible. And the kid had suffered psychological damage, you know, uh, of an existential nature because of this. And uh, so his perspective, he's a little boy. His father is a giant who could kill him and mm. upon whom he depends for food. His father is holding all the aces. He might as well be Godzilla, the Japanese monster. And the kid has to adapt to that. So in the course of my counseling with this young man, I asked him to bring in a photograph of his family from when he was a kid. And I got my first actual look at his father, who was this little pipsqueak of a guy with a weak chin. And you could just look at his father and see his story that that among men, he was probably the one who was teased, made fun of, you know, because he was kind of the natural victim in that hierarchical thing that men do. And the and the rascal, you know, took out his anger on his little boy. And and I mean it's it's a sad story, but here's the point of it. I say to this young man who's now in his twenties, look at your father and see who he actually was. Yeah. And and this is in comparison to his memory of his father as a little boy when his father was Godzilla, the Japanese monster, you know. And so what he was doing here, here we get to the point. I'm asking this young man to go back into his past and rewrite his memories, you know, not to falsify them, but to make them more accurate kind of cutting to the heart of this. If I'm with a client, I might say, think of how dumb you were 10 years ago. You know, that's called evolution. And, and so your, your, your version of what you were doing, what you were experiencing 10 years ago is, is, needs to be updated. You can make your memories more accurate 
by updating them to reflect mm-hmm. your present wisdom and understanding. And that's the evolutionary purpose with all retrograde periods. It's about revisioning the past, updating it. That's amazing. I had a conversation with um, Gary Douglas, who is the uh, founder of Access Consciousness, and I do a lot of my work uh, through this organization. I love their tools. And I had him on a podcast recently, and we were talking about how when I was a very young child, I was much younger than my peers where I showed up. For example, I started playing violin at three, and I was a virtuoso by six. So I'm playing with people much older than me. Same thing with, with dancing. I was in a dance company where Jeffrey Hornaday, um, that's his real name. He now, or he in Hollywood went by Jeffrey Holiday and choreographed flash dance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that movie, Yeah. but about four years prior, he was in my hometown teaching a dance workshop. And here I am 15 and I'm going to graduate high school at 16. And uh, I skipped a grade. I graduated a year earlier. So here I plan on going to college, uh, seven violin scholarships, but I, I, I wanted, my father said, you'll never make it as, you know, it's, it's too hard to, to make it in this business, blah, blah, blah. Well, the same thing happened because with, with Jeffrey, because he wanted me to consider at least over the summer going to dance at his, um, school in New York. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have to go by myself. But because I was so young, I had to have permission from both my parents to do this. My father said, absolutely not. So I'm talking to to Gary Douglas about it. And in my head, I'm like, you know, I, you know, I want to be a singer, dancer, actress. I want to do all these other things, blah, blah, blah. At that time, you know, I'm, I'd been in Playhouse and all this stuff. And I, I, I just loved, I, I don't have that thing that makes you scared when you get on stage. <laughs> stage fright, whatever it is. I even teach a class about it, right? Voice for you. Um, but when I talked to Gary about it, he goes, honey, he wasn't being mean. He was afraid of, of you getting hurt. He didn't want you to feel like you had failed. But it came across really tough. My, my father was very tough and he believed in the rod and all those things. Yeah. So for me, it was like he was cutting me off at the knees and it was the first time I could actually look at it as he doesn't want his child to get hurt, regardless of how he treated us at home. You know, his point was, you know, seven violin scholarships, but it, it's tough to be a musician and make it in this business. You'll fail. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be disappointed in this life. And, you know, who knows what his childhood was like that may have created those thoughts, feelings and emotions in his world that he's projecting on to his child. So it was really the first time I even looked at that possibility. Yeah. Yes. And I went, well, okay, regardless of how he treated us, which was tough, Sicilian dad, parents from Italy, my mom from Italy, and they were like, and then the very next breath was, um, for those of you that can't see, I just hit my fist three times. <laughs> and then the very next breath, breath would be family's the most important thing. And I'm like, then why are you, I don't, I don't understand why you're treating, family's the most important thing. Why are you treating us this way? So, you know, I get it. You get these, when you're a child and you go through so many things that that's going to be your point of view. Yes. yes. And um, I mean, I love that you're bringing this up because I'm looking at a lot of things right now in my life. And here I am, maybe at the halfway point of my life or, or less <laughs> going, um, wow. 
everything's the opposite of what it appears to be and nothing's the opposite of what it appears to be. I mean, what I thought was real and true for me is absolutely not true. And I remember you saying that one of my readings as well, where you said, you know, you're going to wake up one day and realize that everything you thought was true isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not at all the person that you met all those years ago. We changed so much, you know? Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. a a line in a, goes way back to my childhood. There was a British group called uh, the Incredible String Band. And one of the lines and one of their songs just sunk into my bones. The line is, whatever we see, it's more than that. And I, I found that that's, that's words to live by. And so, you know, you're, we may not ever get to the truth, but we can get closer to it. And what you just described in terms of understanding a possible, even probable dimension of your father's motivation towards you back then has uh, corrected an earlier memory and brought you closer to the truth. Your father, of course, will always be a mystery. You know, who was that guy, you know? Yeah, true story. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he he came, he's one of five, I'm one of six. And his family, uh, very strict Catholic family. And my mother tells me, even here he is with four kids. This is before I came along. And they're barely making ends meet. And yet he's sending money home to his parents. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, what? He's, mm. he's got kids here he needs to feed. And yet he's still sending money home to his parents. I, I, I couldn't fathom it. I'm like, I, family's first. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you putting your family... First, you know, I mean, I've, I've only come to the realization in maybe the last 10 years that it's important for me to put myself first. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. only now actually putting that into play in a way that I'm consciously doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's a and profound it, statement in, in that uh, the astrology works at a descriptive level. And then it works at what it would call the evolutionary level. And Mm. they're not opposite, but they're a little different. You've just illustrated it. So at the descriptive level, you have a first house sun. So you dawn on people in a sun way. The sun has brightness and presence and gravity. Uh, Conventional astrology, we could say uh, Rudrani is uh, a natural leader. She'll be a role model for people. She is a sun kind of person. She puts the sun forward. And I don't think anybody would argue with any of those statements. But Mm -hmm. from the evolutionary level, even though it doesn't contradict what I just said, but at a deeper level, when we're talking about your soul, not your personality, you Mm -hmm. have incarnated to learn first house son lessons. And first house (laughs) son lessons are about how to lead your own life, a a quality, what I like to call enlightened selfishness, that you're (laughs) learning it. And what you just said is here you are, you know, in the middle of your life, uh, optimistically speaking, and and you are, uh, are are beginning to learn, you know, this this thing about when it's appropriate to put yourself first. Uh, mm-hmm. The the irony is that if we got a thousand people together who thought they knew you, 
but you weren't really intimate with your soul, but kind of knew what you looked like and your role in the world. And we say, you know, that that Rudrani is is trying to learn how to how to be strong, how to put herself first in an enlightened way. They would laugh. They would think, well, I guess she's got that base covered. She figured that out when she was six years old, and 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 that's what it looks like. But mm-hmm. the deeper truth is, it is an ongoing evolutionary process. Gosh, you just hit on something. I just went to uh, well, it didn't just. It was almost a year ago, last September. Uh, well, we did it a year late because of COVID, but it was uh, now I'm trying to remember, 35th high school reunion, I guess, and. Um, People were telling me how intimidated they were by me, how exuberant I was. You know, here I was in, in dance company. I was in band and orchestra until I had to pick one because they, they put them both at the same time. That I was in track, that I did all this stuff, that I was very, you know, the playhouse and all this stuff. And they just, some guys were like, you know, I was so intimidated by you. I didn't think I could even talk to you. And yada, and you were so pretty and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that was me. I, <laughs> I thought that I was a very insecure, not necessarily quiet. I was quiet at home because, you know, my my dad thought children should be seen and not heard and actually used those words with mm-hmm. us quite a bit. But when I was out in the world, I got to be this gregarious being that I be, but I was hiding so much, yeah. I think. That's that mask, too. I mean, maybe different from what you were referring to, but I... I stepped out in the world in a way that, you know, I thought I needed to be to, to be freer to enjoy my life because I never knew what to expect when I went home. Yeah. You know, I actually ran away from home a few times. Sorry, Celeste, that's mom. Yeah. Because I just, I, I couldn't handle the, the abuse, physical and, and mental yeah. abuse. You finally got away, right? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Well, I managed to, I made a deal and deliver with my uh, school counselor to graduate early. I was smart enough. I had the AP classes. Yeah. Because I couldn't, I didn't want, I couldn't stay home anymore. Yeah. And I couldn't keep running away. I was like, my mom couldn't bear it. You know, it was breaking her heart. But yeah. I, I didn't know what to do, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, but it's funny looking back on, I get it now. They did the best they could with what they had. What tools did they have? Mm-hmm. Their parents' tools. Where did they get them? Their parents. Yeah. And yeah. used to say that they're, you know, I mean, I'm breaking free from all those ways of being, mm-hmm. you know? I realize how weird and different I am, yeah. you know, yeah, good and how psychic you. I am. I mean, as a child being so psychic with, with yeah. all of this being connected, I said that and my family knows it. I remember saying to my brother recently, I said, he was saying something and, and I was calling him out on it and then repeating verbatim what he had said. I won't get into the details, but I said, honey, you know, I'm psychic, right? And he goes, you're psycho. And I thought, that's right, dude. Be very afraid. I'm thinking, <laughs> I can't be controlled anymore. You know, it's like, I can't, I'm, I'm not willing to cut my arms and legs off anymore to yeah. fit into this reality or what works for everybody else. And it's not a kindness for me to do that. Not just to me, but to everyone around me, what you get is what you see, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's oh interesting. God. I mean, just play with what you're talking about. Um, uh, also, a line I used much earlier, uh, it's your fate to face certain questions and possibilities in, in yeah. life. So one size fits all, but we can be specific about the questions and the possibilities looking at the chart. That's that's the umbrella, but applying it directly to you here, uh, that first house son, that 
It is your fate to attract to yourself circumstances in which uh, you have to take your own part. You have to stand up for yourself. Uh, it doesn't mean you will. It just means you're supposed to. That's the lesson you're learning. So the universe will present you with those kinds of lessons. What you do with them, you know, is kind of up to you. And and so standing standing back going, this, this is where I, I just love this kind of astrology so much. We would hear poor... Poor Rudrani, you know, her father is abusive. She has to, you know, go out on her own at this tender age. You know, the poor thing, it's a miracle she recovered, you know, from, from the psychiatric damage. And and uh, built into all that, there, there's some compassion, but also a belief in a kind of random universe that you you were dealt a bad hand, shit mm -hmm. happens, you, you had bad luck with your family. And yet we recognize, even though in some ways it was awful, we can say that out of compassion, we can also say it was perfect because mm -hmm. it was a way you were, you attracted to yourself the first house son lesson. You know, if I don't stand up for myself, I'm dead. So yeah. I think I'll stand up for myself. It's very character building without even knowing it, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> exactly. And, and everything I just said, applies to everybody on the planet. And we can understand the specifics with a look at the chart. This mm. is our, our fate to learn certain lessons or to be afforded the opportunity to learn certain lessons in this lifetime. Yeah, I'm super grateful for everything in my life. You know, it's funny, I, 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 I sometimes say, you know, the terrorists did me a favor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people look at me like are you out of your mind and i'm like well you know if i was if i was sitting on pluto having a conversation with god and she said you know this thing's gonna happen to you and it's terrible and you'll get shot and you'll your your marriage will crumble and you know you won't be able to work you'll be in a wheelchair for a couple of years all this stuff i would have been like yeah that's cool god but is there a plan b <laughs> the the truth of it is for me anyway is that event is what was required to get me off my ass. Mm -hmm. Well, in two years later, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. my ass in a wheelchair for quite a while, but to actually look at what was really going on, there was so much I wasn't willing to see in my marriage yeah. in my business partner. At the time I had a holistic healthcare clinic and she just wasn't pulling her weight. And, you know, I feel like her mother might've pushed her into it. I don't know. I, there's, it doesn't matter. But the point being that I gained so much, I, I was, that was the journey of beginning to be all of me. And I would have never been able to do it if these young fellas hadn't been brainwashed and, you know, tried to kill everybody, me included. Yeah. And I'm still here. And yeah. I had near death experiences during that event. Mm -hmm. I had a choice yeah. to come back or not. Yes. I was given a choice. I mean, I've just recently outed myself because I wrote a book, but I had that in there. And my friend um, who used to work for the Rolling Stone magazine, I asked him if he wouldn't mind reading it first. And then he wanted to go and have tea afterwards and talk about it. He goes, listen, yeah. everything in this book is amazing. It really is. You know, I, I love the way you write. It's first person, very engaging. He goes, but you're going to have to take that near-death experience stuff out of there because people are going to think, you're crazy or you're lying or you're trying to get attention or you're trying to get your book to sell. 
and I'm going, well, you know, he did, he did write for the Rolling Stones. Here again, Stephen, I didn't ask for myself what was true, but I did follow a guru during that time. I mean, by the end of the book, I said bye-bye to him and, and, you know, the husband was gone and all that, but I, I took it out, you know, yeah. and, and it's this really weird thing where you do have choice, even the choice to continue to live. And I remember I got a reading from you shortly afterwards and you had mentioned something about that choice. And I was like, he goes, you know, you could, could have never been found, you know, (laughs) cause I, they didn't have my name. I didn't have a name tag. I didn't, I didn't have my ID on me or my passport or anything. If I had just been a, a body there, yeah. As far as my family knows, I would have just, you know, blip off the map. Yeah. yeah. That would have been the end of it. So when you were talking about earlier about how you you do have choices. Yeah. Astrology, I guess, can show you those possibilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you can you speak to that a little now I'm a little curious because I I looked at my body and I was like, damn, that does not look good. Yeah. I don't know, you know, I mean it looked like my half my head was blown off because my friends had been Alan Shearer, who he met was shot in the head and there was brain and bones and whatnot on my head shawl. Yeah. Yeah. I was right up next to him. And you know, that's what saved me, I think, because I just played dead Yeah, and all of that. So he chooses to go, his daughter chooses to go and I choose not to go, not for long anyway. Yeah. What, how would that show up? in an astrological reading, how did you know that I had a, I mean, I know you can't go back to the particular reading or whatever, but can you give an example or speak to that? Yeah. A, a lot of it, uh, repetitive here, I think, but it's, it's another illustration of that first house sun soul contract that, that oh. you, you signed with your first breath. That's like the, you made the, the ultimate conscious decision to return to incarnation, you know, you you could have checked out, and you said, "No, I I I, I choose to I I God, I insist." You know, I'm going to come back. Uh, that that sense of insisting is 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 a classic first house quality. The the oh. development of will, and uh, it's like if I were writing, I'd put the word will in italics just to make it a little, a little more mystical. It's like will with that higher octave of soul behind it, where it's not, not just desire, but, but the sense that, you know, I, I will, I will learn the lessons that I've signed up to learn in this lifetime. And for you, they are very much lessons about how my choices are powerful. They are a force in the universe. And so I, I choose to be alive. I choose to incarnate. I have a mission on the earth. It's to be a, a leader, a, a role model. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to let a mere bullet slow me down. You know, <laughs> it was interesting because it really was a, a choice, it, yeah. you know, but the way that I I'm going to, I'm, I'm clear audience and I, but I also can perceive energetically. Yeah. And although I felt so much love and um, uh, allowance, you know, what I got, I got some scenes of what was going to happen in the future. I didn't get like a, my life flashing before my eyes because I've heard of people talking about that. And instead I got what the future of the planet was going to be. And then I got the energy of how I could actually contribute to changing 
that on the planet. And, and I mean, I'm not trying to be, I didn't know what that meant, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when people say, why, why do you think you're still here? I'm saying, you know, because I've decided now that I'm going to enjoy my life. And if that's mm-hmm. all that I'm here for, that's an example mm-hmm. for people to, to see that, hey, you know, it doesn't have to be pain and misery. I'm not yeah. saying it's always rainbows and unicorns either, but, you know, mm-hmm. it is what we choose to make it. And um, when she uh, gave me the energy of that, yeah. I was like, I'm going to be silly now. I was like, well, fuck, now I have to go back. When somebody tells you you could actually make a difference, you you know, you you have this, well, I guess I, damn, okay. Yeah. It's going to be tough though. That body's looking pretty wrecked, you know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm being you're, silly, but you're, yeah. You're, you're talking authentically like a mystic. <laughs> You know, and there's that Pisces moon. Remember, you know, the, we see the, that first house stuff we've been talking about, but the Pisces moon, the, the sense that uh, the, the boundary between this world and the next world has always been permeable for you. Thus, the clairaudience, the clairvoyance, as well as the, the sense that uh, death will not be the end of your consciousness. You know, this is what mystics know. And so here's a good moon word, instinct. You've always had a good instinct for those kinds of things. And then mm-hmm. we go to your ascendant. And at the ascendant, I've described it as how we dawn on people, going into it a little deeper. Um, from an evolutionary point of view, the ascendant is a path of self-actualization, how we get our act together of all the different people you could be, who should you be? And, and the right answer for you to those kinds of questions is a Virgo answer, with Virgo rising, I used the word servant earlier. Let me be. Yeah. Let me be of use. You know, I've incarnated for a purpose. I, I'm here to benefit myself, of course, first house son. But in in doing that, benefiting other people too. You know, I can't die. I've signed up for a mission here. I'm going back again. You know, good for you. You know, you got your act together. It's so funny that you. You speak like that because for me, it's a Gary Douglas. I guess you figured this out. He's my mentor, so to speak. I don't know if he would say that, but uh, <laughs> he, um, you know, I don't know. I remember him saying once, you know, if you change one person's life, you've done your job. Yeah. And that's what thrills me. It's like when I'm facilitating a class, whatever class it could be, and it's not that I have to enlighten everybody that's in the class, they get to choose what they're going to get from the class. You know, I'm not responsible for your enlightenment or whatever you want to call it. But when I see somebody get this small piece Mm -hmm. and you, you know, you know, you recognize that that look on their eyes or wow, I never thought about it that way. Or, Oh my gosh, that's true for me or whatever it is. It's that feeling of, Oh my gosh, I, I, this is what I stayed here for. This is what I, this is why I'm here. And it's fun, you know? And even if they don't, receive it. It's still fun for me to be me and do what I'm doing. I mean, I'm like, I was talking to somebody recently and I said, gosh, if I wasn't me, I'd be jealous of me. I mean, (laughs) come on, look at my freaking life. Yeah. You know, even though I'm taking care of my 90 year old mama and it's a lot of work and she don't feel good most of the time and all the things I make her laugh. Um, I know her last years are going to be great. I think she would already be dead if she wasn't in my world. I'm pretty sure of it. She's gotten her, I'm such a good caregiver even when i'm an asshole i'm a good caregiver you know yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes the bitty makes all you need is love <laughs> dude it's like she's my wife yeah yeah this is no joke 
And so sometimes I just want to kill her, but you know, but I love her too. Crazy lady. I think she gets it now. She's finally, you know, getting, she said to me the other day, you're the one taking care of me. None of my other children are taking care of me. You know, they don't really, I have a brother who's awesome. He calls her every night and the sister who calls once a week. And, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm doing all the heavy lifting here yeah. and I don't mind, you know, good for you. Good for you. Just, That's more of the, that servant archetype. Hmm. You know, it's like, you don't have the nature of a servant with that first house Libra son, but you have a path that does always orbit the idea of being of use to others, you know, starting with your mom, but it goes way beyond that. Well, I want everybody to win. And I realize now that not everybody wants that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like a lot of people, they don't get it. Like, I, I, like my biggest thing, I guess, is I don't really judge people, even when I sound like I am, because I've been there, done that. And a lot of people don't know how to receive that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they've never not been judged. I mean, my goddess, they have been taught to judge themselves for so long that they don't know what that even looks like. And so I've, really grown a lot since 2020. That's the gift of 2020. I'm seeing a lot of things that I either wasn't willing to see or just didn't notice. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it all aligns with everything that you said. It's all perfectly true with all things. You're so good. Good. I'm a little sad you're not taking new clients. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I'm booked so far ahead and I'm getting mom 74 and I'm booked 10 years ahead. I just. Yes. 10 years, y'all. Yeah. We're all like, Dude, please stay alive long enough to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping I can stay. I'm a Capricorn. I've got to keep the promises I've made so I, I can't possibly die before uh, 10 years from now. Right. <laughs> you better not. I actually want to be able to see you at least another time just so I can squeeze your juicy body. You're always yeah. such a joy. And I, I love, love your you. compassion about your work and, and your generosity. Your generosity of spirit is just infectious. Yeah, it's well, so thanks. sweet. You haven't changed a bit, my friend. You're so well, I'm beautiful. a little smarter. Ah! <laughs> have you, have you, correct me if I'm wrong, have you been married and divorced like three times or something now? Well, <laughs> well let's see. I, I, I've been divorced twice. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm in a, a third relationship, not technically married now, but uh, Michelle Kondo is a fine artist. She's done the official portraits of the mayors of New Orleans for, you know, several decades. She's, she's, amazing and uh, and we love each other a lot and we have a stable Sweet. relationship hopefully it will carry me to the finish line <laughs> well i'll be i'll be rooting for you both yeah, for sure thank you. well okay so i i've got to i've got to have at least one story about you and astrology where you saw the planets aligning and where something came to fruition or something can you share just a little story sure. about how please i'm curious this is just me being Purely, purely curious. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, not too many years ago, I saw my progressed moon was going to enter my 12th house. And that's a time when you have to let go of a lot of things and a new vision is forming. And then when the moon enters the first house, you, you act on the vision, you start the new cycle. So I saw that coming. And uh, back at that time, seeing it coming, I, I was traveling all over the world. I had apprenticeship programs, you know, uh, Australia and Europe and uh, three of them uh, here in the U.S. And so I was just in China, really busy. And I just realized you know, I'm getting tired of all this traveling. And so huh. I, I started to 
let go of, of these programs and uh, figured out maybe, maybe I'll start a, an online school. Next thing you know, I, I'd, I'd begun to dismantle all that. And then COVID hit. And huh. it, was, it was like perfect timing because it, it would have killed all those programs anyway because we couldn't travel anymore. But using astrology, I'd already begun to sort of gracefully wind down those programs, giving people notice so they could get their certification. They, they had enough time to finish the programs. And, and so it all felt real harmonious. And uh, mm. I think if it weren't for astrology, that wouldn't have happened. And by the time the moon entered the first house, it was like I had a new vision. I have my online forest center for, for evolutionary astrology. Forest astrology, two hours and forest dot center, by the way. There's the product. Well, we'll make sure we have all the deets underneath <laughs> no. in the show notes. Yeah. Believe me, my friend. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I it, did just the opposite. Work with it. It helps you. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. control you. But I, I, I think there's a lot of parallel between using astrology and using a weather report, literally, you know, huh. is it going to rain today? Is it going to be hot today? And, you know, if it's going to rain today, if there's a 60% ch chance of rain today, it, it doesn't make you take an umbrella, you know, right? It, it, it might be a good idea. You might choose to take an umbrella. On the other hand, you may feel lucky and not bother with the umbrella and, and go with that 40% and hope you're right. And maybe you are. And, and, and yet it's, it's good to know. Good to have the information. 60% chance of rain. Deal That's with perfect. It. That, yeah. that, I can't think of a better analogy. Wow. If the forecast calls for rain, you're the idiot if you don't bring the umbrella. <laughs> That's yeah. just my point of view. Anyway. 100% wow. chance of rain. <laughs> <laughs> I just tell it like it is. 60% chance. Maybe you're a Sagittarius and you like to gamble, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then, and then it's always just choice. Yeah. Maybe you like getting wet. Uh -huh. I feel lucky. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, one last question, because it is called the Choosing Happiness podcast based on this little yellow book I wrote. Oh, Choosing Happiness. Choosing Happiness. Always a good choice. Yeah. And then come away to find joys in your life. It, it's just some tools, just <laughs> some tools, some amazing tools that I even had before um, India. So uh, I, I like that. It's running away. It speaks several languages now and is going like gangbusters little yellow book. I can't even keep up with you. So tell our listeners, Stephen, it's a very serious question. <laughs> How do you get your happy on? How do I get happy? What's What do you do to get your happy on? <laughs> oh well, happy hour itself, you know, Michelle and I have a cocktail in the evening and, and that's uh, sitting there relaxing, talking with your beloved, you know, it, that's one of the greatest joys of life. So I'd have to put up there in honesty, but uh, I, get, I get, I get, I live in the desert. I live in a really beautiful, difficult place to live, very isolated, astonishingly beautiful in the middle of a biggest state park in California, the Anza Borrego Desert State Park, oh, wow. size of Rhode Island, glory in every direction. Uh, we have a Jeep. We can go out, you know, off-roading and hiking. And, and uh, that, that means a lot to me. I get a lot of happiness just from a relationship with nature. The stars are incredible here. Um, the silence is incredible here. 
people in the modern world have lost silence and and it's such a such a spiritual vitamin to just have no noise you know and and Gosh, so I, I can relate that. yeah this has been so amazing i'm so grateful to yeah, you oh, too, Rita. this has been a, a lot of fun rajani Thank you so much for choosing happiness. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share, and give us a like. And if you want more happy, subscribe to the Choosing Happiness membership where you can play directly with me, Rudrani Davy, the happiness lady. How does it get any better than that? <laughs>